All right, I am back. I am back. And joining me on the phone is a man who I have been really kind of chomping at the bit to get the opportunity to talk to. And he is finally, after, I don't know, about three months of me chasing him around, has relented to spend at least 30 minutes with me. And I could not be more thrilled. Ladies and gentlemen, it is my honor to introduce the, um, a, a really a guy that it's hard for me to kind of give him a, I don't know what kind of intro I should give him, but let's just kind of call him what he is. He's the program director and the brand manager whatever that is, of Sports Radio 94 WIP, and also the host of the Rich, Rights to Ricky Sanchez podcast. Mr. Spike Eskin joins me. Spike, good afternoon. How you doing? I'm great. I, uh, I appreciate you having me on. I appreciate you chasing me down and making it, <laughs> making it sound a lot more difficult than it actually was. So. Well, I, I know, Spike, I know you're a busy guy. and uh, yeah. But, you know, it's always nice that you kind of don't forget where you came from and you kind of throw a scrap to the little guy every now and again. I definitely, <laughs> definitely do appreciate it, man. For sure. No, no worries. Happy to do it. All right, Spike, what exactly is a brand manager? Could you explain that to me? Uh, it's a program director. Okay. I, I, they just changed the names. I, I think the difference is that uh, at, over the years, the role of the program director has changed in, in drastic ways and become more... Uh, more encompassing of all departments of the radio station. So when you say program director, I think sometimes it um, it makes people think of what maybe a, a program director used to be as opposed to what our jobs are now. So they changed them in the in the company, but it's not like we have both a program director and a brand manager. They just call them brand managers now. So they're pretty much phasing out the program director. The the verb the terminology is being phased out. Yeah, at least in our company. I mean, I, I honestly, in the the only the only industry that uses the the title of program director is radio. So um, brand managers are are more like other companies have brand managers, but not other companies have program directors. So I don't mind. It, it doesn't, you know, it does it doesn't matter to me what they call me. My job's still the same. Yeah, no, I just was, when I first heard somebody refer to you as a brand manager, I was like, well, I automatically thought of some sort of, like, advertising thing. So I just wanted to clarify what that was. Yeah, no problem. Yeah, I mean, like, I'm, uh, you know, back in the, the the old days of radio when I started, I guess those aren't the old days, but it's you now 20 or 25 years ago, that the program director didn't have really very much contact with sales at all. And now, like, my role is integral in working with sales. So I work with the sales department, the marketing department, the digital department more than a program director 20 years ago would have done. And you still manage the hosts on top of all of that. Yeah, yep, yeah. I mean my, my number one job is managing the product is, is the on air product. But those things are a, a large part of what I do as well. So Wow. Yeah. Wow. All right. Well I'm glad you cleared that up, Spike. Honestly I was yeah. actually wondering what that, that all meant. Right, so, yep. so for those of you who don't know who Spike is, he comes from local Philadelphia sports royalty. And uh, I, I kind of want to hear the story of, of how it was like to be the son of Howard Eskin. And kind of, Spike, like, take me through your childhood. You know, where did you grow up? Uh, what were some of the things you were into? How Was it obviously in your DNA to go into this type of work? Uh, kind of take me through that, that journey of yours. Yeah, I... I, I don't have much to say in terms of like um, like how it was as Howard's son in that like I don't know how it is for anybody else. I so you know what I mean like like I, I, I don't know what to compare it to. 
Um, I, I think everybody's relationship with their dad and everybody's relationship with their family is different and everybody's is good in a lot of ways and fucked up in a lot of ways. And I, <laughs> I assume, I assume mine is the same in a lot of ways and different in a lot of ways. I can tell you that so I grew up in Delaware County. I lived in like uh, Wallingford until second grade and then we moved to Glen Mills. Um, so I went to, uh, I was in like the Rose Street Media School District through middle school and then I was kind of a fuck up, so my parents sent me to Episcopal starting in eighth grade, and I continued to be a fuck up until about eleventh grade when I sort of got my shit together. Um, oh, so you were one of those kids, huh? Yeah, yeah. I, I was like a late bloomer. I just I didn't like studying. I I wasn't like particularly social. I uh, as far as like I didn't really. Like, I didn't start doing sports radio until I worked at WIP eight years ago. So I had no idea what I was going to do when I went to college. I, I, I didn't really put a, little, a lot of thought into where I went. I, I spent my freshman year at Southern Cal, and I actually took a journalism class there that I enjoyed um, and ended up transferring to Syracuse for my sophomore year to their communication school. And it's funny, I, the first... As I started there, I thought I wanted to do sports, and I, working with the, the people at the sports radio station and at Syracuse, which is sort of like Sportscaster U, it turned me off to it pretty quickly, and I actually enjoyed working, doing the music stuff at our college radio station, um, and I, I just thought that was a lot of fun. I was, you know, through all through middle school and high school, in college, I would just I, I loved music. I always loved music. I loved going to shows. I loved uh, listening. Like I was, and the idea of being able to, you know, like turn people onto music uh, was really exciting to me. And I loved the idea of talking on the radio, just communicating with people. So um, I worked in music radio all through college, and then um, worked at WISP for years, and then worked at Q one hundred and one in Chicago for years, and then. WISP again, and it wasn't until my last maybe two or three years of YSP when I started doing podcasts and started writing about sports and blogging and those sorts of things only because I came, I got bored of music radio. So I just started doing that for fun on the side. And then when I, when I lost my job, when YSP went off the air, um, I, I started just doing it on my own with my own website, my own podcast and all that while I was unemployed. And uh, I ended up coming back to CBS to run the sports department of their website in Philadelphia and sort of work for all of our radio stations and our TV stations. So I worked for um, WIP and KYW News Radio and CBS3 and ran our social media accounts and, um, and our website. And that's sort of how I got back into – that's how I got into the WIP stuff. So would you say sports was a, you know, growing up wise, did you like, were you, were you, would you consider yourself a sports fan growing up? Or yeah, you... yeah, yeah, yeah. I was a big sports fan. I, I went through stages, I think like everybody does. I mean, I was a really big sports fan throughout high school, um, like from grade school all the way throughout high school. But I also loved music a lot. Um, then when I got to college, I was still a big sports fan and obviously USC and Syracuse, big, um, you know, big sports schools. Um, when I graduated and I started working at YSP, 
I guess it probably went away for a few years, you know, like starting a new career. And, and I, I worked at night for a good portion of my first few years in radio, which made it tough to follow sports at all. Um, you know, I was on the air at 11 o'clock, which meant I was at the radio station at eight. It just, it didn't, I, I think I probably lost touch for a little while, but only that, that, you know, small period in my early to mid twenties. Um, and then, you know, uh, then it, it came back as I grew up and advanced. And I, I would say moving to Chicago made me more proud of Philadelphia than I had been <laughs> before, just because they, they, like, I, I felt like I had to defend it, you know, to a certain extent when oh, I, I got know there. And, you know, so I, I think it, it was a good thing for me as a Philadelphian to move away for a while. Uh, yeah, I had a similar experience throughout my 20s and 30s. I'm uh, just retired from the military, did 30 years, and everywhere I went, after they found out where I was from, I had to listen to uh, a litany of, you know, everything from, yeah. cow, you know, cowboy fans. And it just it got it got to a point where I had the actual like rebut script already down and it, I would just regurgitate it when I needed to. So um, now, Spike, I had heard a rumor somewhere and maybe you can confirm deny whatever, but you grew up a Knicks fan. A New York Knicks fan, is that correct? It, it's not a rumor. I, <laughs> I, I've said it like at least five hundred times on uh, the Ricky. Like I have John Starks' sneaker tattooed on my arm. Okay, wow. Um, it, yeah, it's not something I like. I deny or I'm ashamed of. Like I that 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 nineties. I, I wouldn't say grew up a Knicks fan. I, I was a Knicks fan in my teens. Um, and then probably into my like very early twenties, and then it sort of faded off. But that ninety, those nineties Knicks teams were my favorite teams in the history of sports. I, I don't like any team more than I like those teams. Um, I love those teams. Yeah, it's definitely not a rumor. Like I have a John Starks jersey. I have I, in if you look in the background, you can see it sometimes in the YouTube versions of our podcast. I have a autographed like frame poster of the dunk like behind me um yeah so it's not a rumor not anything i hide just you okay. know part of part of growing up so let me just can clarify because when i was growing yeah. up in the neighborhoods in philadelphia we always talked to each other when we would discuss our favorite teams we would always have that out of town favorite team because it was always understood yeah. that your favorite team was the eagles flyers sixers and phillies but when they were like hey who's your favorite football team everybody had to go to out of town team is that what your fandom to the Knicks were, or were you Knicks number one over the Sixers? No, I, I, I think, like, uh, I'm trying to think. You know, so when I was younger, you know, when I was, like, probably, you know, 10, 11, 12, 13, my dad would take me to – that was, like, the Charles Barkley era. Yeah. Um, and uh, I was a fan, I would say, of the Sixers then. But I think when you become a teenager, and this – is different for people in all different ways. You start to like rebel is the wrong word, but it, it's when you start to like define who you are, you know, you make your own choices, you know, like I got a tattoo of 17 years old, like that, you know, in, in whenever that was 92, that was a big deal. It's not a big deal now, but it was a big deal then. Right. And I think part of growing up for me, you know, aside from like liking metal and then liking Tupac and then like, all of the, you know, the, the things I grew up with, I think picking teams that were different from the, the teams that um, that my friends liked, 
you know, like I had a couple of friends that were big Bulls fans and then other people were Sixers fans and it, it just seemed like it was mine. And they were a team that I just like, liked watching. I just loved Starks and that team was so tough. Um, and so fun to watch, um, that it was, uh, you know, I, I, they were, and, and then at that time of your life, like, I would say that you probably love the teams that you loved in your teen years. You probably love more than you love any teams, you know, because you're, it's so important to you and so much revolves around that. So, and also when I was, um, when I was 10, I was at game six of the 1986 world series where the ball went through Buckner's legs. Um, and like that turned me into a Mets fan for like, 10 years or, or, you know, however many years, like, I, I don't know how you could be at that game and like watch a moment like that in the stands and not say, Oh, this is what I want for my life. You know, this is exciting. This is, and I don't think I ever hated the Philly teams. If I remember back, um, I just like, I sort of had my own thing and they, those teams were my thing. Um, but then as I got older, I think like, you know, we all grow up and, and, uh, learn, um, to take pride in where we're from and the, the sense of community that you get from liking the teams that you're from. And I just like, I grew up, but I, I don't regret any of that. You know, like I don't regret it, liking any of those teams. I enjoyed that time. No, I, just, I totally understand Spike. And, but for me, it was kind of the opposite situation. Uh, growing up, it was, you know, you went against the grain. Uh, not so much. I would be ostracized from the tribe or anything, but I just never, ever, went outside to camp. It was always the Phillies, Flyers, Sixers, and Eagles first. Yeah. It was always. Now, my out-of-town out of, my out of town favorite basketball team was the Golden State Warriors, probably because you could only watch maybe four games a year back then of, of a Golden State Warrior game, you know. And I also like Chris Mullen. He's a huge fan of Chris Mullen, especially when he was in St. John's. So, yeah, that was a, those were great teams. Yeah, that with one TMC those years and all that. So yeah. my last question about the Knicks thing, would you think that maybe your uh, part of the um, appeal of the Knicks to you was at that that time of your life, the Sixers were pretty much going through a transitional phase, what, from the late 80s to the late 90s, you know? No, I, I think people kind of like overthink it. I was just like a teenager who wanted to like a team. I, you know, like I, I, it's funny, like I look back and I had – um, friends that were like 49ers fans and we all know people grow up Cowboys fans and people grow up Yankees fans and like all that shit. I picked a team. I picked teams never fucking won any, you know, like, <laughs> I, you know what I mean? Like, like no, that, that, right. that, that, that Knicks team, that was not like, it wasn't like I was fucking like, like, like a bandwagon, bandwagon jumping. Like everybody hated them. Um, they were like nasty. They were, they were, they didn't, they never, again, they never wanted anything. They, they are famous for how much they like, like they failed in, in those situations. So I, I guess I just don't like think anything of it. I, I just, it just was, you know, and it's, a couple of times people have like given me shit for it. And I'm like, man, if, if everyone was judged on the decisions they made when they were fucking 15, I mean, can you imagine like the, the, the world we would live in and my worst sin is I like the Knicks. Like I I don't, it wasn't a matter of like the Sixers were bad and the Knicks were good. I think it was just a matter of like the Knicks were interesting to me. There was something that in the same way that 
certain bands and certain music appealed to me, that team appealed to me. Like they appealed to me in an emotional way, I think. Well, no, absolutely. But of course, I don't need to remind you where you work in the town that you work in, in the yeah. literal like uh, mortal sin I, yeah. I, I mean, I've literally, and I'm sure you've seen it. I, I've been at Eagles games where, for example, I was 10 years old. My dad and mom took me to a game at the vet. It was against the San Diego Chargers. And there was a guy sitting in the stands wearing uh, St. Louis Cardinal gear. We're not even playing the Cardinals. And they're pelting this poor dude with beer, hot dogs. I, it was just, I, I know that it's barbaric, but there is that sense of tribal unity that you felt. And I got that. We, we kind of overanalyze and go way over the top here in, in Philadelphia. But I, I can definitely relate and understand what you, where you're coming from as a Nick fan. And personally, I really thought they were going to pull it off in 94. I thought they were a better team than the Rockets yeah. back then. So. Yeah, man. I mean, like, that's just one fucking game, man. I mean, they win that 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 Starks game. Yep. Yeah, it's just I, – I, I go back to that's one game in my – sports fandom that I go back to in my head and when I'm watching like you know highlights or something I, I for some reason think that one of the times that I watch it it will go differently you know? <laughs> no I've been there yeah I've totally yeah, been there it's a, that's a tough one the Kawhi Leonard shot lately the recent Kawhi Leonard shot is one I think it should have went I'm hoping it bounces off the rim instead of goes in yeah, so I yeah. definitely know what you feel like alright Spike let me kind of bring you back into the uh, to the present uh, well, I guess maybe the recent past. Um, so last year, obviously, when the pandemic hit, I, I don't know, and, and maybe you can lend some clarity and light to the situation, but was there a plan in place at your network or at your station about how you guys were going to deal with the quarantine and what the role of your radio station or what the role you saw or your bosses saw? Was there any sort of plan put in place before the world began to stop turning? about how you guys were going to carry on and what was some of the reaction from your employees, i.e. the host about having to operate during the quarantine? Uh, well, I mean, the plan was all us. It was all internal. Um, it was, I, I feel like we were, my hosts are that I genuinely believe are the best in the world at what they do. And, you know, we've never, the radio station in my um, in my time here, and I think historically, has never been, it's never been like we just sit down and break down games all day long. You know, like, it's just not what we do. We, we, we are opinion and stories and, uh, you know, debate and, and those sorts of things. So we're not, we were never particularly reliant on, oh my God, if there's no game last night, what do we talk about? Like, you know, during the summer, it's, it's funny, like, during the summer, it's not like we just talk about last night's Phillies game all day long. You know, like, if, if the Phillies lose 4-3, like, and, and nothing happens, there's not a lot to talk about, you know? Like, you, you can't just, you can't belabor uh, the games over and over again. So I, I, I think we were just prepared in how we do our jobs every day. And we come in and we think about something interesting to talk about and interesting to debate and then um you know the some of the programs we came up with whether it was you know once and for all or um or go to broad street or <laughs> i'm trying to think of the other ones we did 
Um, even before the pandemic, when we did Andy Reid Appreciation Day and all of those things, um, they, they, they were fine ideas. I mean, I was glad I had the ideas, but the, the real execution was just on the host. It was just like, do you guys all want to get together and work as a team and make this, make this important, you know, and have fun with it? Or are we going to run with it and all try to do our own thing? Because if you try to do your own thing every day, I'm, I, I'm telling you, like, you're going to wake up every day and nothing will have happened in sports. And it, it's a lot of work um, and it's hard. And I don't think it's that fun. And I think we had fun with it. and We learned what we could do. You know, we learned what we could accomplish during that time. So my boss, uh, God bless him, gave me, you know, gives me a lot of leeway. Um, and trust me with the radio station and he trusted me and I told him what we were going to do. And he said, go on and do it. And, uh, and we did it and we got through it. It was something I don't think that we'll ever forget, you know? And, and neither will I, um, obviously I'm a 610 WIP lifer. I grew up with it. You know, I was, I actually listened to your dad's first show in 86. I remember it very well. And, um, when the quarantine for me began, when I was stuck inside for two and a half months, uh, the one constant in a world of unconstant was the fact that you guys were still broadcasting and live, regardless whether or not you were talking about live sports or not, you were still there. Yeah. And it meant a lot to me personally. It got me through some rough times and I'm, and I know I'm not alone in that. And I want to actually extend my, my thank you uh, for that because I really don't know God, Spike, I was in the house for two and a half months, man. I don't know what I would have yeah. done without 94 WIP, honestly. I really wouldn't. Yeah, thank you. I mean, I, I think we felt that we were necessary, you know, in a very strange way, you know. Not in the same way that a grocery store or a no, frontline worker was. But I, I think when things are that tense and things are that bad, people look for an escape um, and a uh, – just something to do. People are looking for things to do. So we took, I think we took that responsibility very seriously. Yeah. You know, like there, there was never a day. There wasn't one day during that, that we came in and like mailed it in and didn't take WIP as seriously as we take it any other day. Um, and I, you know, like I, it, it's not lost on me how important WIP is, you know, like, like the fact that I have this job is, is an honor, you know, that, that my name will go on the list, very, very short list, by the way, of program directors in its 30, you know, three year history. Um, I, that, that is not lost on me. I mean, this is a, I, I've had, I've had this job longer than I've had any other job in my entire career. And that's wild, you know? Right. So, you know, I've been PD, I think, probably as long as Andy was, um, not as long as Big B, longer than Tom Lee. So, I, you know, I've had this job a, a really good amount of time, and we've had a lot of success, but I don't ever take it for granted. This is a like an institution, this radio station, so we, we try to do right by it every day. Oh, it absolutely is, and uh, not only I believe it's number one in the Delaware Valley, I believe it, I don't know of any other around the country that, that uh, you guys do not top or i mean there might be a few that might contend against you but at, at the end of the day uh, i have not seen or heard anything better than 94 wip so again Thanks, great job um you guys keep it going every day now a little caveat or a comment to the uh to the quarantine stuff and the shows that you were running i was a big fan of all of them uh popular to contrary belief i really was and uh 
just so everybody out there understands a little context, I do call 94WIP every now and again. I go by Matt from Mayfair. That's my handle on the on WIP. And I took a um, very aggressive stance against the go to Broad Street. But I'm, I promise you, we're not going to. I'm not going to get into that because I've, I've made my peace with it, Spike. Even though I still feel you owe me a somewhat of an apology, but that's for another day. Um, uh, but by the way, Allen Iverson was voted as the as the go number one overall go to Broad Street over the last was it 25 years, right? Was that the? Uh, uh, I think it was 50. I think we went back to 1970. I think it was of the last 50 years. Okay, that see that again. I was always under the impression it was 1980, but that would have been 40. Anyway, uh, maybe no. I don't think it was 80 because we had Bob, we had Bobby Clark on the list, right? Yeah, Bobby uh, Clark retired in the 80s. Yeah, but I don't think was it 25 years. I don't think I don't I don't remember. I I, I got I got to be it's been a long year. <laughs> yeah, I know. I know, I know. Yeah, I, I don't remember. But I I went as far as the, the I made some crazy crackpot uh demands of the radio station. Well, not anyway, uh no harm no foul. It's all it's all in good fun. But the one thing honestly Spike, that got depressed me. I ain't gonna lie to you. It, what, what used to depress me during the quarantine time when I was listening to 94 WIP was only the wins. I mean, that depressed the hell out of me, man. And and not yeah. it, it, because of just not only the fact that it was only the wins, but you heard people and crowd noise and excitement. And um, yeah, that's the only thing that depressed me. But but I understand the reasonings. And again, great job with that. Thank you. Yeah, only the wins was uh, you know we didn't. That was one of the things where we didn't know what to do. You know, like, right. like, oh, we'll play old games. And there were some that were fun. Overall, like, it wasn't quite as fun as I thought it would be. And we actually didn't need it as much as I thought it would be. And that was that was the surprising thing is that, like, we started it and we did it. But once we started it we, and we had gone for a while, I was like, oh, we're going to be fine. We don't need to take up time with this. But, you know, some of the games we played back were a lot of fun. Yeah, they so, were. They were. Uh, and, and again, but it just, it just made me long for – more normal times, I guess, but uh, obviously, but hey, it took my mind off of things somewhat, and it, 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 as you said, it killed time, which was the number one concern mm-hmm. at, at that time. All right, Spike. Now let's talk a little bit about your podcast. Uh, some call it the tip of the spear when it comes to basketball podcasting. Uh, the rights to Ricky Sanchez podcast. Um, I've listened to it for a while. I, 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 it's a great product. You guys know what you're talking about. And I have an opportunity here to talk to you. I heard your your commentary on the radio. I think it was yesterday in reference to the Ben Simmons or I'm sorry, the James Harden non Sixer trade. A um, couple of things I want to ask you about that trade. And the first thing is first, who made out out of the four teams that actually were involved in the trade? The Rockets, Cavs, uh, I believe it was Pacers. Who made out the best in that deal? The team that gets the best. Uh, player makes up the best, so the Nets did. So, uh, but, but like the Rockets didn't have a choice. So, for a team that didn't have a choice, who had to get rid of the player that was on their team, getting four first round picks, four pick swaps, um, you know, uh, you'll probably be able to flip Victor Oladipo for something else. You know, like I think the Rockets did great, all things considered. Um, I actually think every team did well. I thought the Pacers did well, you know, getting Karis LeVert and Jared Allen. Um, or no, Jared Allen's on Cleveland now, right? Yes. So I thought the I thought the Pacers did well getting Karis LeVert. Um, and I even thought Cleveland did well getting Jared Allen. I, I think everyone um, 
everyone did well. I honestly believe that the Rockets are set up for years and years of success if they can manage these draft picks the correct way. And obviously we've seen firsthand where that is not necessarily easier said than done. So now let's go back to the Sixers. Uh, Rumored that the Sixers and Rockets and the Nets were kind of ping-ponging back and forth throughout that day, trying to get a deal done. What does it say about Ben Simmons's value in the NBA that the Sixers could not flip him for one elite player to another elite player. What does that say about Ben Simmons's trade value? Well, we don't totally know, right? Because we don't know what, um, what's it called? Uh, we don't know what was offered along with Simmons. We like, there's a lot of things we don't know. So you can only guess. My guess is, you know, I all throughout the entire situation, I said that it would they, that that Harden would end up in Brooklyn, and all anybody ever told me was that that wouldn't happen because if the Sixers want him, Ben Simmons is worth more than anything that Brooklyn could offer. So I think all we now know is that that was not true. Um, I, I I think Ben Simmons is a weird fit on a lot of teams. I think there are 